Good morning here. Good midnight from the USA. Welcome to On The Line. This is Joe Mullings. I'm Christina Kay, but now I'm going to do the Italian intro. Uh, buongiorno, questo è On The Line. Siamo qui in uh, Firenze, Italia. Io sono Christina Kay, e mi amico si chiama... Joe Mullings, an American. Just some warnings, we are in a cafe in Florence, so I'll be taking a tiramisu break and a cappuccino break during this podcast. And I'll be apologizing to our sound editor for <laughs> the myriad technical issues that I probably could have prevented, but didn't let us to a very colorful situation, I think. Look, it's on the road. We have to make do with where we are, because if it's perfect all the time, that gets boring. Also, if you look at the video, we definitely have... A lavalier microphone clipped to a GoPro stand. Right. <laughs> oh, anyway. In fact, I should probably take a picture of that just. Just for posterity. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, go ahead. Um, so, what do you think? Well, this is not my first time in Florence, but it's my first time in Florence as a person who can think and remember things, and it's amazing. What's amazing about? First of all, it's filled with history, and that's palpable in everything you see and do and experience and taste and feel and smell, although the smells are totally fine. Um, but it's also uh, just a city of incredible ingenuity, which we've talked about so much since we've been here. Uh, just taking selfies. selfies as we're going. Uh, come on, I'm, I'm not going to be here for a while again. Yeah, yeah, and it's really, we're in a very cute cafe. We are. Do you know what the name of the square is here? The square with the carousel. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, obviously, this has got multiple uses for it. We're always trying to travel internationally and, and get my vlog out. And if you get a chance, uh, pitch for that. It's uh, Feet on the Floor. Uh, so that's coming out. Our uh, inaugural piece is coming out soon. But we're here um, with a client who has got a very, very interesting technology in the life sciences. And I'm just going to use that as a segue into... Science meets art is just so obvious in Florence. And you and I were having a discussion this morning about your SIG other, and then I'm gonna hate to pull him into this. No, I don't. don't. Do it. Smart. Okay. <laughs> Where, you know, artists oftentimes poo poo technology. And, and I think it's an unbelievable way for them to amplify their work. And you and I had chatted about that. Why, why don't you just share a little bit, if you don't mind, on that? Well, I think it's, it's, it's more than technology and it's more than science. It's really the analytical mind. It's an ability to think about the objective and not just the subjective. And then the other way around, to think about the subjective and not just the objective. I think that when you can do both, you have a really powerful purview and a really powerful ability to render perspective. Uh, so for the artist, if you have an ability to think pragmatically or practically about the work that you make, then the longevity and the lifespan of that work is probably greater. And I think, and my, maybe I'm wrong, but I think we're beyond the time of, of Van Gogh. I think that the, the era of the post-mortem romantic painter is, is pretty much long gone because if you didn't get discovered while you were alive, then you were doing something really wrong. 
well, yeah, there's no excuses today with the ability to amplify that. And, and on the technical side, me being an engineer, I'm going to go the other way and say, <laughs> I know tons of really intelligent people who are all about technology, but forget sometimes to add art. And I think that creative artist side outside the empirical data is very, very important. And we saw that yesterday with this fantastic technology we were engaged with and its navigation, robotics and imaging, not getting wrapped around the axle on that. But they also applied literally a Ferrari design sort and of paint job. and paint job. Yeah, the paint job was unbelievable. There, there were no sharp edges on this large piece of imaging medical device equipment um, and everything had a contour to it and when you looked at the paint you swore you were looking at the paint on the hood of a testarossa right no i i have to say that um well i do think i can be analytical when i need to be i'm definitely not a scientific person so i was incredibly uh, taken by the paint job because it was the part that i was uh, definitely able to connect to the most and and i think that it's it's intelligent on their behalf, and, and that's probably part of why they're soliciting us, is because they're understanding that we don't operate in vacuums anymore. It used to be possible that one person could acquire all the knowledge known to man. It really was. It was possible for you to have read every book written in history. I mean, we're talking 100 plus years ago, but at this point in time, it really would be impossible for any person to acquire all skills necessary. So I think what you need to be able to do is have perspective on other skills, and then also have an ability to collaborate and to solicit the help from the people that you can and that you need. And I think that this is what they're doing so well there. They're saying, okay, there is an artistry to all things. I think that's true. And there's a science to all things. I also think that's true. We have the science. We have access to these incredible visual materials for design and, and paint and and these things that are truly Italian in nature. I mean, what, it's a Ferrari paint job, is that it? Yeah, because they do work for Porsche. Um, Ferrari, uh, he named a couple of the high end. They have a very interesting proprietary robotic technology that they're pivoting towards life sciences. But yeah, and so what they did is they contracted with persons who do the paint jobs for Ferrari. Right. And, and now they're contracting with us to do media because they understand that if you're an invisible entity in 2017, you don't 2018, you don't, you, know, you don't exist. No matter how good your stuff is, right? And it's all about getting that attention, creating that awareness. Um, and, and that's what we've been doing exceptionally well. And, and this is not a commercial for what we do. It's just, it's insight as to you can be the best, but if people are not aware of you, then you really don't exist. And that goes with careers too. You know, this is on the line, this is careers. And you've got to make people aware of who you are, what you do, and what you do amazingly well. And again, coming back to our elevator conversation this morning, you know, your your sig other in your life is an amazing, amazing artist in a couple areas. And in particular, you told me photography. But if nobody knows about him in this region where he was relatively well known somewhere else in the country, then he really doesn't exist. And then who's he shortchanging? Right. Right. Well, it's also, I have to say... Hold on, I need a tiramisu break. He's, well, I'll talk while you eat. Um, so, he's applied, he's begun to apply a strategy to his photography, and that's, it, with very little effort, actually been quite successful. So, you know, you have to always think strategically about things, because there's just too many people on planet Earth right now, and if you're not figuring out how to weave through the noise, then you are the noise. But you also have to think creatively, because if you, you might be a, an incredible... Uh, surgeon or robotics engineer or whatever it may be but if you can't think of a way to package yourself as a product 
as an individual, then you are one of also many. Because as many brilliant artists as there are out there, which true genius is rare, there are just as many, you know, brilliant engineers. I mean, not everybody is Leonardo da Vinci. I think that's why we still talk about him all these decades, millions, centuries day in later. The da Vinci Museum, and I was like a little kid running around that. You're right, though, and here's where it's going to be really cool when the creatives continue to embrace is they will look at media, the appointment of media, uh, however it is, podcasting, videos, stills, written, and once they embrace it without keeping it at arm's length because it's part of the machine, I think that we'll really see a leap in media and the use of media uh, and embraced by everybody sooner than later rather than just... The least creatives are playing with it right now. I really feel that. I, I've noticed there's a direct correlation to the more creative you are, and some people are going to throw rocks at this, the less you embrace the new technology of marketing yourself. Certainly it depends on the industry you're in, too. Yeah. I think it's really difficult for painters to grasp the, the need for technology. But, you know, obviously in, in my craft, it, if I wasn't embracing technology, I'd be unemployed. So you, it's true. It's... And it's, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, I don't understand this, but I, I see its value and its significance, and I need to find the right people to execute for me, to get me where I need to be. There's nothing wrong with collaborating. And I, I do also think, you know, we found out, and I, I already knew this, but Da Vinci, you know, he worked under Verrocchio, and Verrocchio had many apprentices. So this idea of collaboration is, is age-old. In many industries, I think that the potential for the rare isolated genius like Van Gogh, as I mentioned before, is really gone. You're very unlikely to produce anything of quality in a silo now because things move too fast. You as an individual can never keep up with the rate of, like, let's say our client Verb Surgical. There's no single individual who could do what Verb does as a collective. And that's why you get hired to bring the right people in because collaboration is king now. And, and, it's, and it's interesting because I am an engineer who has a reasonably good creative side, but I totally index towards process and analytics. And when we first started working together, you and the rest of the team a year ago, you were creatives and some technical, obviously, because of what you do, but you index towards creative. And I've, it's been fun to watch each of us move towards each other's camp and then creating products that we never would have and experiences we never would have, if not but for. And I have to say, from my purview, you know, I have not really had this many opportunities to be a business lead, to be in on conversations and deals. And I have to say, from my vantage point, business, which I think most people would consider very analytical, is actually also very creative, very intuitive, very about the interpretation of the interpersonal, which is truly what a lot of art is, the interpretation of the interpersonal. So... I think that if you allow yourself the opportunity to be uncomfortable for a moment, you'll actually find an area of extreme comfort as you settle into it. And what's fun is, you know, we sat last week with one client um, uh, on a Skype and yesterday with another client here in Florence. And when the client had proposed to us that we collaborate and, and, and we bring the branding to the market. Obviously, I know that life sciences market extraordinarily well and the engineering and technology behind their product extraordinarily well. But with you sitting at that table with us, you looked at their challenge and the problem that they had and wanted us to solve for them through a totally different set of goggles, which thereby 
declared itself an, a super, super elegant solution that they understood immediately, especially the last weeks with that Bay Area company. And they were asking us about video and some other things. And right, right, you were right. talking, I'm not going to say who it was, but you were talking about creating the, um, the birth of the company. What origin, did you call that? The origin story. Yeah, the origin story, which I thought was brilliant. And they jumped on as well. So that's why having the left and right side of the brain and all the gray in between together is always a great, great, great sort of toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I think it's also, it's interesting and it's significant that the company we were visiting yesterday is thinking about the aesthetics of the surgery room, the aesthetics of the, of the medical sphere, because I do think that we now are extremely competent aesthetically because we are inundated with aesthetics all the time. We don't live in villages anymore. We live on iPads and we see a lot of film and we uh, see a lot of television and just media in general. We're constantly ingesting the design elements of commercialization every day, all the time. It's, it's unavoidable. So, you know, you go to the hospital, you have this miserable experience. And part of that misery is, well, it's expensive What's and it painful. Block? What was the lines you used yesterday where you're like, I would rather have this imaging and surgery done to me looking at this beautiful piece of equipment than the classic Soviet block. Yeah, I mean, so I had surgery this past year and and the bills were certainly very depressing and the recovery was not, you know, the easiest thing in the world, although it wasn't as bad as everybody said it was going to be. But honestly, being wheeled in pain, because you're that's why you're at the hospital, being wheeled in pain into a stark 1984 Soviet block surgery room I mean, I was so glad that they put me under because I just didn't even want to look at it anymore. And that seems like an exaggeration, but it's not. It's an unpleasant experience, and it shouldn't be made more unpleasant by the stark, hideous surroundings. And I think that it's smart that this company is thinking, okay, well, we can, we can cater to clients in a way that creates an environment that's comfortable for the patient because ultimately this is a service provided to a client, the patient, and the client should be satisfied. That's what all business is about now. And the other side, too, is when you look at it as the buyer, whether it's the hospital, the doctor, whoever it is, we consume, as long as we're healthy, with our eyes first. And that sort, sort of drives the emotional buy. We make our decisions emotionally, justify logically. So if you can make something aesthetically that wasn't a gunshot, some lady dropped her umbrella. <laughs> Don't edit that out, please, Michael. <laughs> um, but we do. We... we, we by emotionally justify logically, but when you can create a piece of art that technically is a superior product as well, you've got a home run. Right, absolutely. And I think you'll start seeing this more and more. I mean, let's think about, for example, cars. They are a purely functional object. They are an, a, a marvel of, of modern invention and engineering, a feat. And yet somebody along the way was like, well, shouldn't they look good too? And, you know, we've never looked back. Why isn't that the case for absolutely everything? Agreed. Agreed. So, and we're in the perfect city for it. I'm going to finish my tiramisu okay. and then I'm probably going to go have a glass of wine and then have more tiramisu. It's not, it's not noon yet in case anybody is wondering. It's uh, oh, it's almost noon. Okay. It's wine. It's wine o'clock almost. It's noon somewhere in the world. And tiramisu doesn't need to be noon to be eaten. No, tiramisu, it's made of coffee really. So you're, so it's appropriate. I'm going to, um, I just wanted to really quickly reflect on, on if anybody has the chance to come to Florence, it's really an amazing city. Uh, the Da Vinci Museum was incredible. It's a it's a small museum with a lot of punch because you can you can test every single design of his and it's really interactive. It's 
unbelievable what that man was thinking about. He was thinking about how we could explore the depths of the ocean and the very tops of the clouds at the same exact time. I mean, Joe brought up an amazing point, which is there was a design there for an, uh, or parachute. a parachute. How could you design a parachute when flight has not been invented? Are you just thinking of jumping off rocks? I mean, that just seems like a terrible idea. But in his mind, he's thinking, well, one day we will fly, and then one day we will need a way to fall. Right. And it's just that kind of foresight is really brilliant. And and when you can use aesthetics to translate it, then it's something that becomes very clear to everyone. Right? It's not hard to look at Da Vinci's notes and recreate them into life-size models today because of the clarity of the vision, both scientifically and aesthetically. That's really the power of it. I think you can say the same thing. I mean, Florence is extremely famous for, for Brunelleschi's dome, the cupola. It's incredible. You can see it almost anywhere in the city. It's unlike any, any Are you structure. Are you going to climb those stairs again? I will. I'm Okay, I told Joe this. I'm so glad we did that because I'm 30, and that was really hard, so I think that... That was it. That was my one my one shot in life to climb those stairs because I was insane. Insanely, well, just narrow and ugh, worth Worth the climb, though? Oh, extremely worth the climb. And I would recommend anyone go. Don't go on a very windy day, especially if you're a very thin person because it's, it's a little scary. But, oh, my, it's like the most beautiful thing in the world to come up here and see this incredible city from that, the perspective of the birds. So today's our last day here, and we're off to Barcelona, so we might try and pinch something off in Barcelona tomorrow. Yes, pinch something off in Barcelona. <laughs> I'm Joe Mullings. I'm Christina Kay. Tune in next week for another episode of... <laughs> I'm joking on my tour music. Joe, Joe got a, a mouthful of coffee powder. powder. Uh, anyway, <laughs> tune in next week if Joe survives, and we'll have another episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.